Well, San Diego State and SMU are the top two expansion candidates for the Pac-12, and they provide both long-term value and short-term value. Just not in the way you think. You are Locked On Pac-12, your daily podcast on the Pac-12 Conference. It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of Locked On Pack 12. I'm your host, Spencer McLaughlin. Thank you so much for making this your first listen or your first view of the day. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day, and your number one source to stay up to date with our media rights free and beloved Conference of Champions. Like, comment, subscribe, please, and thank you wherever you listen to or watch this show. Rate, review us on Apple Podcasts as well. Today's episode is brought to you by Bird Dogs. Go to birddogs.com slash college, and when you enter promo code LOCKEDONCOLLEGE, they'll throw in a free custom Bird Dogs Yeti-style tumbler with every order. We've got G5 talk. We've got something in the Big 12's contract that I'd like to fully explain because I think I kind of misrepresented it just ever so slightly, not in a major way, the other day on the show. And we'll talk about money because everybody loves money. College sports, they love money. Thumbs up. Okay. So (laughs) you can tell how I feel about that. I, I, I get it, but It leads to decisions that I don't particularly care for at USC and UCLA leaving. But here we are. That's what we're dealing with. So we'll get to that later in the show. But this has been kind of an ongoing debate I've had with with several of you, including my guy, DCU, who is an everydayer out there on on, on Twitter. We've been going back and forth with this sort of stuff. And I wanted to come out here, kind of flush out my thoughts entirely. It's a lot easier than going back and forth. On, on Twitter as well, and any of you can interact with me on there, at LO underscore Pac-12 or at Smalls underscore 55. You can also hop in the YouTube comments, get a question answered here on the show. Love answering your guys' questions. Got a couple to get to here on today's program. But San Diego State and, and SMU fundamentally are getting added, well, I hope they are getting added to the Pac-12 for a variety of reasons, but there are short and long-term considerations there. Now, the argument that is on the opposite side of where I am sitting, which is, yes, you should add both of those programs for various reasons and add those institutions, really. Remember, who votes on realignment? Who drives realignment? It's not athletic directors. It's not football coaches its presidents. That's going to become important once again here in a moment and frankly should just become the tagline of this particular show. Welcome to Locked On Pac-12, Presidents Drive Realignment, Not Athletic Directors. Okay, anyway, so there are a lot of different reasons why I think San Diego State and SMU do provide value to the conference, but the institutions themselves have interests that go beyond Athletics. So, of course, San Diego State and SMU want to join the Pac-12. Any conference doesn't necessarily want a G5 school, but any G5 school wants a conference. Now, I think this is an instance in which you have both. Pac-12 should want both of these schools, and both of these schools will definitely want the Pac-12. But as an institution, there is short-term value. It's not necessarily the athletic value that people are talking about or that people would like to have. But there is short-term value for the universities that would still warrant adding these schools to our beloved Conference of Champions. So, 
The question about whether or not they bring that sort of value athletically, I'll get to in in a moment. But when presidents are deciding with which institutions they would like to be aligned in a conference, yes, athletics are a component, but there's everything else that is a president's responsibility to delegate authority to different people at the school and to understand how they can maximize the total amount of revenue and and publicity and enrollment and all that sort of stuff that you bring to your school. So when San Diego State and SMU are are candidates to join the Pac-12, those those they bring things to the table aside from athletics. Now, the the first reason here, well I'll, I'll get to that I'll get to that point a little bit later. But there is a strategic element to presidents looking at these schools and saying, we want to be in those locations, Southern California and Dallas-Fort Worth. Those are hubs of people, physical, tangible, actual people, and those are hubs of money as well. The state of California on its own is something like the eighth largest economy in the world. It might even be bigger than that. There is a lot of money in California and Southern California, especially. And with the Pac-12 still having a strong presence in the Northern California area with the Bay Area schools, having a presence down there impacts the alumni that you have and the alumni that you have access to, the fundraising that you can execute, which is a big, big part of a university for athletics and non-athletic purposes and Think about the student body makeup. So Arizona State, for instance, did you know that they have a campus in Los Angeles? I didn't know that until very recently. But that's the sort of alignment and connection and value that these schools provide. So if you're a university president, you want to have as strong of a presence in Southern California if you can. If you are the president of the University of Utah or Colorado or Oregon or Washington or the Arizona schools, what is more valuable to your school, in-state tuition or out-of-state tuition? That would be out-of-state tuition. If you're going to get a student to pay out-of-state tuition, they have to have the money to do that. Southern California, you've got a plethora of people that can do just that. So the makeup of your student body is a consideration for these presidents. And being in places where they come from money, which is what all these colleges are trying to do fundamentally anyway, is highly logical. So that's kind of the first component there. But then athletically, there is still short-term value. They do not bring a financial value to the media deal. I will get to that later. Fully admit that point. And if that's your your big sticking point, I, I get it. But these are the other factors that are in play for adding these schools to your conference. Now, the Pac-12, some people have suggested, ah, they should just stand pat at 10 and do this sort of stuff. Number one, that makes scheduling kind of challenging because you don't have as much inventory. You, you don't have as much inventory for networks either. And I think in the age of you know realignment and movement and all this sort of stuff within the conferences, everybody else is way above or at least at 12 teams for a reason. And I don't see it being advantageous for the pack to just have 10 teams going forward. So from a content, from a volume and a scheduling standpoint, you kind of have to be at at least 12 teams. The two conferences that are in the weakest positions right now are the Big 12 and the Pac-12 in whatever order you may see fit depending on where you come from. But we all agree 
Those two are in the worst positions right now. The ACC is in a better spot. Not in a great spot, but in a better spot. They've got a more lucrative media rights contract. They, they, they just do. Those two conferences only have 12. Meanwhile, everybody else has at least 14. That is not a coincidence. If you are a conference that is in a position of strength, you have more schools that want to be there and that can be there. But when you're just talking about putting together a schedule, not just for football or basketball, but for all the other sports too, and finding enough matchups and having a quality conference and having some depth, just having 10 teams, I do not believe that's enough. It's not a 0% possibility that Pac-12 stays at 10 teams, but I think it's as likely they stay at 10 as it is they go to 14. I, I would say just by my best estimate, probably about a 10% chance they stay at 10 teams, 10% they stay at, uh, or they go to 14 and at four schools. And I think it's an 80% or greater likelihood that they end up adding two schools if and hopefully when the media rights deal gets announced and they announce realignment alongside that particular deal. So that's part of the short-term value that they can bring it. And by the way, if you're looking at it saying, I don't care about those these non-athletic factors. I I don't care about, you know, the student body makeup. I don't care about alumni and, and fundraising, all this sort of stuff. I understand it. I I completely understand it. And I will tell you why I understand it. And and another thing I understand. Bird dog shorts are great because they make you look good, and they are stretch khaki shorts that are designed to fit slimmer through the thigh and leg, giving you a truly sculpted look. You feel great. You look great, which means you're going to do great, right? My number one rule for being on the air when I, uh, when I do play-by-play broadcasts, look good, sound good. Rule number one, because if you look good, you will feel good, and if you feel good, you can then sound good and have the best opportunity to do so. That applies to your summer expeditions when you talk about bird dogs shorts. So they use a anti-stink sweat as well, wicking fabric that keeps you cool and dry all day long. They're flexible, they're comfortable, they're versatile. You can wear them on a hike, on a walk, on a jog, for a swim, on the golf course, wherever lounging around the house do whatever you want just go get your next order at birddogs.com slash locked on college enter promo code locked on college for a free yeti style tumbler with your order that's birddogs.com slash locked on college for a free yeti style tumbler you won't want to take your bird dogs off this summer we promise you so go get your next order today see that little fro of the eyebrows that's because we got our second segment sip and we are ready to rock and roll. So what I was talking about, the whole academic component, alumni, fundraising, connections, economies, all that sort of stuff that matters to presidents, research dollars as well, something I've talked about extensively here on the show. I understand when people hear that and say, I don't care about any of that. And I've got news for you. I do not care about any of that. Well, Spencer, why do you talk about it? Why do you talk about it if you don't care about it? Aren't you taught as a podcast and radio show host to talk about things you care about? Yes, very true. But you also have to talk about things that are important to give the full context of any given situation. And the question here is what short-term value can San Diego State and SMU provide? Most of that value, 
aside from giving them inventory for media executives so that they can have, you know, a full slate of broadcasts the way they have for the past 12 years. It's not athletics related. And that's okay. You don't have to like that answer. But that is primarily the answer. Now, the other reason that I think you add these schools is because you are making a long term bet. That is absolutely true. You are taking somewhat of a gamble. But for San Diego State and SMU, when they hopefully, hopefully not an if, a when, they get added to the Pac-12, they are not at the beginning going to be full earning media rights members. They will get a partial share. And that is probably part of what is being worked out maybe as we speak amongst the Pac-12, the presidents, the universities, and the media executives. So that's something that they will figure out. But the Big 12 schools, for example, are all going to make around, I believe the number is 17-ish million dollars per school per year while they transition to being a Power 5. Now, just because you are not a full media rights earning member initially doesn't mean you can't become that one day. Because when you are coming from the G5 level, you can look at their TV numbers over the last several years and what their viewership is and say, oh my gosh, it stinks. They're not going to draw any of that sort of stuff. What could they possibly do in the Pac-12? What could they possibly do in the Pac-12? Because the numbers that you see for these schools are what they could do in the Mountain West Conference or in the American Conference. You don't know what they could do TV viewership-wise. If, if you play three games and you go the Kent State approach, who, by the way, made like $2 million last year playing buy games where they are paid to go to a school, get beat really badly, but then they come back and they've got a fat paycheck. They did that three times last year. Kent State did. Oklahoma, Washington, Georgia. That was their non-conference. People might say, Psh, why would you do that? You, you miss out on the possibility of going to a bowl game. Yep, you make it less likely for sure, which is less money for your school. But it's because all those schools were paying them handsomely to drub them accordingly. So if, if you're looking at what these schools can do, television ratings-wise, if you put SMU against East Carolina, Tulane, and Memphis, do you think those games are going to draw an audience as well as SMU playing three games against Oregon, Arizona State, and Utah, for instance? What do you think the average number of viewers is going to be? It's going to be a lot higher when you have the Power 5 opponents in there. So what then needs to happen for the Pac-12 to have this payoff and allow them to become full media rights earning members down the line. And Utah underwent this exact same transition, by the way. And the brand of Utah football now is a lot stronger, a lot bigger, a lot more national, captures a much larger audience than they did when they first joined the Pac-12. They're playing Florida and Baylor this year. You think Florida was interested in playing Utah when they were in the Mountain West? Probably not. Probably not, because what are you going to do against a Mountain West team? That's not doing a lot for Florida. That's not their MO, but a home and home with a Pac-12 school? Psh, absolutely. Worked out well for Florida last year, right until they realized they weren't a great football team, and Utah, as they've done the last couple of years, stumbled and then figured it out as the season went on. So 
you have to allow for these G5 teams. They do not they do not add to the media rights valuation right away. That is unequivocally true. They're not going to be paid as such, though. And you make these additions carefully and in a calculated, informed manner, the way I hope the Pac-12 is going to do, because you look at the programs and say, not what are they now, but what can they become? Because if you give the general estimate, again, this is you know kind of speculative and anybody's guess might be as good as mine and such, but if you give a school four to five years in a Power Five conference coming from the G5 level, and you give them opportunities to win games, and they have the right coach, and they start to bring in better recruits, and they notch a key win here and there, or they pull a big upset, they get on people's radar. When they start to establish more of a brand, that is going to draw a larger audience because you cannot rely to be an appealing television product solely on your own fan base. Your market size matters for sure, and Southern California, San Diego, and the Dallas-Fort Worth area are valuable in that sense and provide kind of an inherent level of television households that might be interested in your program. But really, the ability for a program to be a highly viewed television product in 2023 is how sizable their brand is outside of their immediate fan base. The most watched team in 2022 was Ohio State. Why? Do they live in the biggest, or are they located in the biggest media market in the country? Nope. But they have the biggest brand and they play big time games and they play, when, when Ohio State plays Notre Dame, Every, every, everybody watching and listening to this right now, I imagine in some form or fashion is a college football fan. I talk about it almost every day here on the show, so I'm going to go out on a limb and say you're a big college football fan. If I tell you Ohio State is playing Notre Dame tomorrow, is there a snowball's chance in hell you are not going to watch that game? Where do you live? Where do I live? Where do the 30... Other people who might watch that game, uh, hopefully I have more people in that watch or listen to the show. In fact, I know that I do, and I'm very grateful for all of you who are everydayers out there or tuning in for the first time. But I know that all the people who hear that question say, yeah, of course I'm going to watch Ohio State and Notre Dame. Well, when you're talking about these G5 brands, they need time to build. And they have to be given that time to build. Can they establish that immediately? No, they cannot. But these are the options that the Big 12 and the Pac-12 have been left with. And it's really clear to me that you make these moves. Because yes, there's a drawback there, which is, well, it doesn't add you know, anything to the media deal. It takes away a little bit. Yeah, yeah, right now it does. But in the future, that can change. And there are really, really important, tangible examples of that. Utah being one of them. Utah did not, Utah drew this past season, basically identical viewership to Washington. Yeah, I'm just letting that sink in for a moment because Salt Lake City is not as big of a media market as Seattle. Utah football does not have a national championship on its resume as a football program. Utah has not been to the college football playoff. So how on earth are they able to get as many people tuning into their games and providing value to the Pac-12 and their media partners as Washington? They've built up their brand. And San Diego State 
and SMU would both be given the opportunity to build up their brands and become full contributing members to the media rights contract. Is it a position of power for the Pac-12 and Big 12? Absolutely not. Is it the best option available and do they need to make it? Absolutely, in my view. And it's more than just Utah, by the way. Look at TCU. TCU, who's now probably the most valuable television product. Think about that. They're the most valuable television product in the Big 12 a season ago outside of Texas and Oklahoma. Well, should they never have been added? Because they were a G5 school and they had to you know, be, be a partial earning media rights member for a long period of time because they didn't have the sort of brand to attract a big time audience. Well, guess what? They built it up. They had a great season and the brand of TCU football has been long established and was so under Gary Patterson. So yes, these programs need to hire the right coaches. Yes, they need to make the necessary investments. But the second part, as we've discussed here on the show, already exists for San Diego State and SMU. The next part is up to them. But just because they don't add value right now doesn't mean they can't in the future in terms of the media rights deal. And as universities, they absolutely add immediate value to the conference as for, for all the reasons I talked about. Alumni, fundraising, connections, student body, everything about that matters to these university presidents. It might not matter to you. It doesn't matter to me, but it matters to them. And that's why the move does, in fact, make sense. L- last thing, by the way, for, for the people who are opposed to adding G5 schools, there have been countless examples. Well, not countless. You can count them. But there have been several examples of this succeeding in which schools go from the G5 to the Power 5 level. You know who was once a member of the athletic or the Western Athletic Conference, a G5 or non-Power 5 at the very least. They are FCS football now. But once upon a time, there were two schools in the WAC. Do you know who they were? They were Arizona and Arizona State. Schools, programs, institutions can grow can evolve to become more productive and there are other inherently valuable components to adding schools of a certain geographical location. Okay, I think that's enough on that. Uh, Clarification here on the Big 12 pro rata clause that gets talked about a pretty good amount. So I, I believe I mentioned yesterday on the show that ESPN and Fox have both agreed in some capacity to the pro rata component. It's actually just ESPN. So the way that the deal is structured, it pays $31.6 or $7 million per school per year. About $20 million of that comes from ESPN and about, it's like 20 point something, and about $10 million, $10-11 million comes from Fox. Now, Fox could decide if they wanted to, hey, we actually are willing to pay, you know, a full share for Colorado or Arizona or somebody if, if that ended up uh, uh, being the case. But I, I, I believe that ESPN accounting for about 67 or cent per, percent or so of the contract having the full pro rata in there means that 
adding a Power 5 school would be minorly dilutive to the Big 12's media payouts. I don't think it's changing their interest level as a conference, but I think that is a an, an important note to clarify and understand there is that Fox currently does not have written in the contract that they have with the Big 12 that they will increase the dollar amount if a Power 5 school is added, whereas ESPN does. Now, as long as you don't add a bunch of schools, like if it were just two, that would reduce the payouts pretty minimally in, in, in the Big 12. It would still you know, be less, so maybe that would get some opposition, though I doubt it, because the optics of adding Power 5 schools I think would supersede the downside of having ever so slightly less money there. So basically, ESPN is paid X amount for the schools that are there, but if that's if that number were to change and they added power five schools, ESPN says we will pay a full share more per school. And Fox says, no, we're keeping our dollar amounts solid no matter what you do as a conference. So that that's why it would become minorly dilutive, but not enough to where they'd say, no, we're not going to add them because we don't want to lose money and whatnot, because you could always go back to Fox and say, is this really not worth it to you? Do you not value this at all? And if you, you know, that that could open a whole other can of worms there. So I wanted to clarify that and then end uh, with this question from Danny. First, thank you for your response. You're very welcome, Danny, anytime. Second, what you responded is true, but the Pac-12 still should disperse $7 million less per school this year, even before the Comcast repayment, according to Sam Cooper of Yahoo. Third, in reference to the debate that you had on Mark Rogers' program about a month ago, it seemed that at least one of the Pac-12 analysts, I can't even remember his name, implied that money was not a concern because the academic funding was so significant. If that is true, why is it even a concern to Arizona, Washington State, Washington, or Colorado that the media rights deal of only 20 or $30 million would be a factor? If money Money was not a legitimate concern. They would sign the grant of rights and accept the deal regardless, but for some reason, that does not appear to be the case. I'm unclear as to why that is the case. So this is a great question and one that is, is, is important to understand. The money available to schools that they can gain in the Pac-12 is significantly greater on the academic side of things than in the Big 12. That is unarguable. However, a president's priorities determine, will determine, whether or not he or she decides it is the best course of action for our school to stay in this conference or go to this conference over there. Because when you're talking about academic dollars, the priorities of a university are generally pretty clear. And if money is now available to you as a president, that is part of your operating budget. And yes, these media rights talks are in fact a tiny, tiny proportion. I mean, they are a rounding error when you're talking about the overall budgets for a university. But not every school, in fact, most schools, I would think, cannot so readily 
either fundraise their way to fill up for, you know, a deficit in, in media rights valuation for their athletic department or move dollars around because the money is indeed coming to your school, but it's not coming to your athletic department. It's going to your medical school. It's going to, you know, the, the, the research that you're compiling on a, on a variety of topics and such, right? My most cited example here is uh, Utah. Utah, when they joined the PAC, was doing about 90 to $100 million in research as a university each year. They are now doing, as of fiscal year 2022, $686 million. So that is a significant increase in the amount of money that a president has brought into the university. But it is not a significant increase in the amount of money brought into the athletic department. And those two things are separate. And this is where it comes down to a president's priorities. If he or she believes that the school is best served to prioritize academics at all costs, no one will go to the Big 12. If a president is reading the terrain and saying, okay, we value academics, but we also value athletics, and we want to be on TV as much as possible. Maybe the Pac-12 deal is too much streaming, or maybe it's not enough money, or maybe it's this, or maybe it's that, or we may never know at this point. I hope we do. But if you value athletics more and you're the president of a university, you might say, we value academics, but we've built up a good base of you know what we can what we can get for research dollars and funding and grants and all that sort of stuff and we want our athletic department to be in the best situation possible financially then a move could be considered so that's the calculation for a university president is how much do i value like if it came down to we can have better athletics in the big 12 or better academics in the Pac-12, the decision then comes down to, well, what sort of in-kind contributions and you know valuation do you do you put on athletics? Because that can get you into different areas of recruiting students, right? That's why these university presidents, like I was talking about, want to be in as many areas as possible. Because if they go play a football game there and someone has a great time, they might say, man, I want to go to that school. Like, that was really fun. I remember when they came in, they beat this team, and I didn't want that team to win, or, or, or whatever may have you, right? A lot of different ways that, that sort of stuff can play out. So that's the distinction, is it is true that these media rights talks are a, are a negligible amount of money for the total operating budget that a president is in charge of for a university in the Pac-12. That does not mean, however, that the differentiation the the, uh, the 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 difference in media rights value is not going to at all be considered because if you believe that your athletics are better suited to be in another conference and that is going to serve your university's best interests as a whole then within reason you could make that decision and that is what each president has to decide i hope that's a clear answer if it's not let me know at LO underscore Pac-12 or at Smalls underscore 55. You can always hop in the YouTube comments as well. Appreciate everyone listening. I will see you next time. Gosh, we were jam-packed today. It's a lot of fun, as always. And until then, hope you have a wonderful rest of your day.